Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, your host, and this is episode 60, a Thanksgiving swag salad. Why swag salad on Thanksgiving? Because we need to remember those less fortunate, all right? And salad because I'm just going to ramble a lot today because I'm stoned and it's Thanksgiving and why the fuck not? I got a few hours before the turkey's done. Let's do this. Opening section, stoner moments. Uh, yeah, so got some new neighbors. I haven't been talking about my neighbors lately, especially, you know, since elephant neighbor left, really. But there's some other neighbors that like to get really noisy, too, and that I kind of like, I don't know, make fun of sometimes. Uh, but I mentioned a few weeks ago that I hope they were moving out, uh, and they didn't. But the neighbor that had moved in, it was pretty quiet, and I never mentioned because there was never really any need to. Totally did move out, so fuck me for putting that out in the universe. But yeah, so now I got some new neighbors, hipster neighbors. They don't really care about me. Uh, I think they're having Thanksgiving at their place. It might get noisy. So yeah, we'll see. New neighbors in the neighborhood of make-believe. It's okay. I got the best stereo system, and that's what matters in the end. Moving on, and speaking of anger issues and how to deal with them and things like that, I kind of tried something new lately that I just wanted to like throw out there for people who are keeping up with what I'm doing for my depression and how that's going. And it's going really well, still doing the vitamin D, still working on sativas and and the yoga and meditation and working on my diet, things like that. But in an effort to really kind of push it a little bit more, I decided, uh, well, the way that things worked out, I kind of was reminded that I had these mushrooms that I got like a year ago. And mushrooms aren't something that I do very often, but they are really nice to do as like a spiritual journey every few years. I really appreciate doing that. And I like to be out in nature. Um, if I do shrooms at home, I just kind of like go too deep into myself and I don't have any fun and especially if I'm just shrooming alone I don't know I'm not very comfortable with it I like to be out in nature I really like the way that it helps me get in touch with that part of myself that doesn't come very naturally and so I don't know I uh I'd been talking about microdosing with cannabis and I'd been reminded about these mushrooms and I knew that microdosing with mushrooms was like a thing that people did medicinally so I looked a little bit more into it and it it, it turns out that microdosing with psychosyllabin for depression is a recommended therapy so I was like fuck it why not right at least for a little while and I have to say that very first day uh I did, I did trip a little bit. I didn't go anywhere. I stayed at home. Um, I just had like a tenth of a gram, the same dosage that I recommended for the cannabis actually. And that was perfect because I knew that I had really potent shrooms. So it was like, start small. And but within that first day, um, I noticed a really big change was that I like my food cravings had changed significantly. And that's a really big emotional issue for me and a really big part of uh, a really big obstacle in overcoming my depression is uh, my food issues. And since I started the microdosing, and I don't take it every day, I take it every few days. But since I started the microdosing, my food cravings have been 
dramatically different, dramatically turned towards the healthier and away from specifically refined sugar, which is just incredible to me. It was like a light switch. And I'm not saying that'll happen to you, but I'm just saying that I really feel like I've I've been able to push myself forward into a next step in overcoming my depression in a way that I never thought I would do. I never thought that microdosing with mushrooms would be a step I would take, quite honestly. Um, but I really wanted to be open-minded to both what was out there being tried and uh, the resources that I had since I had these mushrooms and I wasn't really getting the opportunity to use them the way I wanted. I've had mushrooms go bad on me and it's just a waste, you know what I mean? So I didn't want that to happen. And I'm really glad that I went forward and pushed ahead with that. So we'll see how that continues to go. In the meantime, I have not bought any reduced-priced Halloween candy in, like, a week and a half, all right? Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. I know that's very tropish, but it's so fun to say. I was going to be like, happy Thanksgiving, but I didn't want to have my dab rig set up. And then I was like, eh, I just go with what people know. Happy Thanksgiving. Smoking on some headbands. For the podcast, get me in that talkative mood, but I was dabbing on some white, what was it? It's white gorilla. Yeah, I think it's white. I think they called it white gorilla. It's white widow by Gorilla Glue 4. So it's a very sativa dominant wax and it really gets my head rushing. I don't particularly care for the taste at all, but I can't deny that it is a really great sativa. Woo, what a ride. But the problem with both the headband and the white gorilla is that they give me cotton mouth like a motherfucker. Not classy if you're on a podcast. Not classy at all. Nobody likes the mouth noise. I'm going to fight through it. And if I can't fight through it, I'll try to edit my way through it. Sorry, guys. Now, I talk a lot about quality weed, quality medicine, how to really determine the best quality cannabis for yourself. But I didn't start at the top, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't start anywhere near. The, okay, I started pretty, actually, I, I went to the top pretty quickly. I'm in California. But that's not to say that I have not smoked my fair amount of swag. I moved to Arizona for two months and I looked at their weed and I was like, give me the fuck back to California. Oh my God. Um, that's a true story. I, there were more than that. The size of their bugs made a big difference too. But I thought, hey, it's about time that I talk about some swag. I love the way that my life kind of plays into how I want to talk about or what I want to talk about on the podcast every week because it really keeps me motivated. And Willie on a bike and I were talking about swag and this and that. And another friend of mine, Heather, and I were talking about seeds and how to, you know, grow from them and how to determine things like that. And she had some questions. So I decided this week was going to be dedicated to swag, the opposite of sin semilla, con semilla, con un chingo de semillas, sometimes. That's a shit ton of seeds for those that don't know. Uh, and not just seeds, stems, leaves, 
also known as brickweed, the type of weed most likely to be mistaken for oregano. It may actually contain dirt particulates, hence the nickname dirtweed, ditchweed, uh, weed that you might find growing in somebody's yard, pull too quickly, and there's really no point to smoking it. But this is the weed that most people have had the most access to throughout the last 60 years. So it is something that most people are familiar with, and it has its very own characteristics. These characteristics tend to be that it's generally low quality. It is a brown or greenish brown color. Uh, It's low quality because it contains seeds, because it contains the stems, the leaves, but also because it has a low trichome development. Uh, There's also a potential for mold and mildew and other health issues, uh, mite infestations, things like that. Uh, Being over-moisturized can make it look really sticky. And the misnomer that sticky is good all the time can can actually make what is genuinely swag seem like a very marketable product if you don't know some of the other things to look for. Another characteristic of swag is that it doesn't really smell good. Uh, it, it can smell grassy. Uh, it's different than earthy. There's an off-puttingness to it especially if there happens to be mold or mildew problems. You can usually kind of sniff that out. There's a dinginess to it. If it's just, if it's been dried properly, perhaps it's actually over dried, it crumbles in your hand. It'll, it'll smell like an old oregano, basically. It'll smell like a spice that's been left in a jar for the last three years that you pulled out. And yeah, maybe if you give it a little spark, throw it in a pan It'll kind of uh, warm up and put off something that is a faint, a faint bit stronger, but to be oxymoronic about it. But uh, and basically, there's no pungency like you get with the dank. And that is an indication of a low trichome development and a loss of terpenes or just a total lack of terpenes. But schwag can also be really smelly, great stuff that is very low potency if you're more on a canister level. So the definition of schwag can certainly vary depending on what class of cannabis crowd you are in. But we're going to focus on the opposite of the sensimia. Because you can even have some weed that looks pretty good, but it's filled with seeds that that hermed out or somebody just didn't care for it properly. And, oh, that's the train. Time for a smoke. Uh, Somebody that somebody didn't care for properly and it ended up in your bag because they needed to make their profit still. I don't like to smoke weed when the train goes by in the neighborhood of make-believe. Mr. Rogers, bitches. All right, where are we? Uh, so let's see. Smoking this low trichome, low terpene, basically low-quality medicine can lead to headaches. The same kind of headaches you get if you smoke any herbal cigarette. If you aren't used to smoking tobacco cigarettes, you're probably going to get headaches the first 
several months that you actually really dig into it if you aren't drunk every time that you smoke cigarettes. Uh, and there's there's the same potential risk when you are smoking high leaf material, low trichome material cannabis, because it's the trichomes and the terpenes that make it smooth and non-carcinogenic to your lung tissue, because that's the restorative reparative parts. So getting a headache or coughing a lot or having it just be a really bad burn isn't necessarily an indication of a bad flush or mold presence, um, but you can usually taste those things too. If it tastes chemically, if it tastes a little off, if it tastes like mold, quite frankly, uh, very musky, not earthy, but musky, then, oh, and earthy, if it's a good earthy, uh, it would be pretty smooth. I mean, skunkweed to me, uh, skunkweed has never been a bad term for weed. Skunkweed is good weed. If your weed smells like skunk, it's smelly weed. It's pungent. It's not grassy smelling weed or, or old oregano smelling weed. It's really terpy, rich smelling weed. But I know some people use skunk weed to talk about bad weed because they probably prefer a sativa to an indica and skunks tend to lean more towards that Cali OG Kush type feel. And I understand that. I don't always prefer skunk weeds myself, but damn, do they kick it in the head sometimes? That widow gorilla, what? That's a skunk weed to me, but I'll still smoke it. And just because I don't like the way the way that it tastes doesn't mean that I don't like its effects or that it's skunk weed or that it's bad weed. It just means that I don't like the way it tastes. And it doesn't hurt my lungs. It's easy to smoke. That's how I can tell that it's actually really great quality as opposed to bad quality. It doesn't hurt me to enjoy it. That's a sign of good medicine. If it's swag, it might burn, you might cough. <clears throat> but here's the thing, is that because brick was available to so much of the country for so long coming up through the cartels, it's what people tend to know. It's what people tend to enjoy. There's a nostalgia for a lot of these baby boomers who are rediscovering cannabis as they move into their geriatric age. And they prefer what they know. They prefer going back to maybe picking out some seeds and some stems. Maybe not, but certainly not this crazy high potency, uh, a new kind of pot. They want their old weed. You know, they just want some marijuana, a little pot. And, and so swag can actually, good quality swag, not the, uh, the mold and health issues, not that kind of swag, but just low potency swag, canister grade swag can actually be a really great option for those with lower tolerances and those who are wanting to build their tolerances, but start slowly. You can't smoke too much you know, if you have a plant that is 22% THC and then you have a plant that's 10% THC and no CBD, no extra cannabinoids, just 10% cannabinoid material, it's not going to smoke very well, but it's also not going to be super harsh. For a lot of people who have really great access, that's some swaggy weed. 
But if you are actually used to some genuine brick, some Mexican brick, that's some really great weed and it's perfect for your needs. You let it get nice and dry, you crumble it up, you pick out some stems, you pick out maybe no seeds because nowadays, depending on your access, uh, it, it's generally preferred to have sensimia. And if you do find a seed, a lot of people are excited because now they can legally grow it. And sometimes seeds just happen. It's a plant. Sometimes seeds just happen. So how can you tell which ones to keep and which ones to toss? Well, I mean, this is harder to do in a podcast, obviously, but you should definitely check out some YouTube videos. I'll try and see if I can find a good YouTube video to throw up on the blog. I hadn't done that yet, so there might not be a link, but I'll have other links too, so no worries. So the the most telling sign for a great seed are the tiger tails. Uh, it'll be plump, it'll be gorgeous, and it'll have a nice detailed black striping along it and a nice gray, gray-brownish background to it. Those are your best bets for getting a nice, healthy seedling out of it. There's no way to tell just from seed if it's female or not. When you get feminized seeds, there's a way to stress the plant out so that the females herm and pass on their female genetics into a seed. And that's one of the tricks that this plant has been able to use to create its survival throughout the millennia. It's incredible. Uh, but it's, there's just no way to tell that if you happen to find a seed in a bag, you have to buy that from a reputable grower. Otherwise you're playing the odds and you have to grow them and then sex them and determine if they're male or female. And if you aren't looking for males, then you got to get rid of them. But some, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to breed, then you're going to need males. So no misandry here. Okay, no misandry here. Now, if you aren't going to grow, you can eat the shells. Hemp shells are a great source of nutrients. They have uh, an omega balance that is perfect for humans. Um, But the shells are a pain in the ass. And I don't just mean to eat, I mean to digest, and then they can literally become a pain in the ass. So if you have sensitive bowels and seeds aren't always good for you. These can be some seriously indigestible seeds. Um, But the shelled cannabis seeds are fantastic. And they're they're usually called hemp seeds so that people don't freak out about it. That's just a legal distinction. Um, But they are amazing. I love them in my salads. And the ones that you get in your bag of weed are just as good to eat as the ones that you can buy in the store if you're willing to shell them and shit like that. I mean, like I said, I do not recommend eating them with a shell on. If you have a digestion system that's made of steel, go for it. It'll clean that shit out. Now, one thing you should not eat are the stems because their fiber content is just indigestible. Uh, Maybe really tiny, thin ones or something, but I don't even recommend that. The bigger ones can really cause problems, so you don't want to eat them. However, there's all kinds of other things that you can do with them, too. And I will have a link to a fantastic article on the blog that has eight different things that you can do with these stems. And I mean, and this is like some fucking... 
uh, Pinterest type shit, like where she's making uh, baskets and paper, but then it's also more of just like stoner type shit that's on my level where it's like extractions for topicals, grinding them and making butter of them or adding it to your coffee or tea, things like that. Uh, I also just kind of like to munch on them a little bit, kind of like chewing tobacco. Uh, I I read that kind of comparison and I guess that's pretty much what it is. I don't, uh, I I mean, I do actually swallow the spit though, the saliva that it generates, Uh, but I don't swallow the stem because like I said, it's going to wreak havoc on the digestive system. I do, however, just want to get some of those terpenes and some of the acidic cannabinoids that are attached to the very trichy stems. And that's another thing. Depending on the quality of your weed depends on the quality of the stem. That's going to depend on the quality of whatever product you make out of it. So if you get stems from Schwag, you're still going to end up with some pretty green, uh, swaggy butter, to be honest, with a lower potency. However, if you have a higher grade cannabis stems that you are using, then you're going to get better quality. So that's still there. But when it comes to cannabis, there's medicine in all kinds of places. And maybe the, the, the flavonoids are a part of the cannabis plant that are particularly beneficial for you. So grinding it up for tea or coffee and having a really green product is actually a benefit. For some of us, it hurts our tummies. So it just, uh, you do you and play with it. Figure it out. Have fun adventuring. Now, one of the darker sides of adventuring in Stonerland is the resin game. The reclaim game is a little bit cleaner, but really the darkest of the dark is when you start scraping your bowl for that resin. And I know, I've been there. I've been there. Ooh, the things that I have done, the dirty dirty, dirty things that I have been witness to in an attempt to get high, straining bong water and then microwaving it. I did not smoke that. I do not recommend that. Not at all. But when it comes to actually scraping the bowl and smoking the resin, I I totally would do that. I would save my resin and and save it for a rainy day because when you really need that head change, you fucking need that head change. And just like the stems, the better quality cannabis that goes into your resin, the better quality resin and the better quality high you get out of it. Now you're still smoking a super black, gunky, uh, tar-filled, ash-filled, gunky dip. And that comes out in the overall taste. And it also comes out in the overall high because it isn't very clean. It is gunky. You aren't getting as much oxygen to your bloodstream as you would with a really clean uh, vaporized hit or flower hit. And you aren't getting that quality terpene uh, experience to go with it. So it's just a very heavy THC rich high. Uh, And when you don't have terpenes to direct the THC, it tends to be very body sedative and kind of sleep inducing, Uh, much more like the drenobinol, the the synthetic THC experience. 
Now, there is a lab called MCR Labs. That's Mike Charlie Romeo Labs. And one of the scientists there wanted to know, like, you know, he was reading about people smoking the resin. He was like, yeah, you know, I wonder what's what's in my pipe. And he actually tested the resin in his pipe, and the results are amazing. He had a THC content of 12% still, which if, I mean, there are flowers with 12% out there that people are plenty happy with. 12% is definitely enough to give you that head change that you actually need. That is a legitimate stone. All right. So don't ever feel bad about smoking resin if that's what you need to come down to. You do what you got to do. All right. Now, there was a higher amount of CBN2, the degraded um, uh, product of THC. And so that could also lead to some of the the sedative feelings that come with it, though other people will say that CBN is non-psychoactive, which I don't know enough about, quite frankly. Uh, I'm still waiting for the studies. But if it follows with the other neutral forms of the cannabinoids, then it is psychoactive. So, and, and... you know, because of that cannabinoid content, people are able to get really creative with what they do with their resin if you don't want to smoke it. There are people who are willing to do extractions for topicals, though, to be fair, now isopropyl extractions are technically illegal in California. God fucking damn it. Um, but that is pretty much the easiest way. You, When you clean your pipe, you use an iso... Oh my God, does that mean that I can't clean? Is it technically illegal to clean my pieces with isopropyl alcohol now because I'm creating a cannabis concentrate? That has got to be a loophole that could get that out, right? Like that, that would be an absurd, hmm, that would be an absurd and unrealistic expectation when isopropyl alcohol is one of the best ways, if not the best way to clean your pipe. Interesting. Not that I'm ever going to get the funding to send that through the courts. All right. Moving on from my stoner thoughts. Uh, I forgot I wasn't in stoner moments anymore. Uh, What are we talking about? So one of the things you could do is when you're cleaning your pipe, using an isopropyl alcohol, you actually create a solution. And then if you were to find ways to filter and refine that solution, you can get an even better quality resin that removes a lot of the tarry bits and gives you something that's more of a reclaim level, which just means a higher THC level and a lower tar level in the end. Uh, But reclaim is just the dabber's version of resin. And because you are starting with a cleaner, higher quality product, you are getting a somewhat cleaner, higher quality end product. Now, most of my reclaim is just big lobs that end up in the bottom of my rig because that's how I roll with it. You can get a reclaim collector, but my dab rig is too small so that if I use a reclaim collector, the water can't get to where it needs to be. I can't put the water up high enough and I get a really, really hot dab because the water doesn't get a chance to cool it. So I'd rather just not collect my reclaim and I opt to have a smoother dab because it's filtered by that water and cooled down the vape, uh, the vaporization because that's just red hot, yo. But what I do do, 
I said do do again. But what I like to do is to take the glob of reclaim out and then I just throw it in some coconut oil. I don't even have to let it usually dry out from the water. The water just rises to the top of the coconut oil and eventually evaporates. Um, but the cannabinoid material will emulsify with a coconut oil. And I don't, it doesn't work super great because it is a really stinky, stinky lotion option because it's that reclaim and it's got that smoked, uh, smokehouse. Yeah. It's like smokehouse, uh, meat or something, you know, it's like going to a campfire. It's got that, that campfire effect to it. It's a lingering thing and it transfers to the topicals that I make with it. But it's actually a really great topical for, and a cheaper topical for uh, cleaning my hands of resin, things like that. And because it's also got the higher CBN content, it's a great option for people who need a really cheap resource of guaranteed CBN content. Using the resin and refining it with an isopropyl or using Reclaim in a, a topical solution can give you that added CBN, which I think, if I remember correctly, is a favorite among people who have muscle pain issues. I definitely need to double check that. But I do know that there are certain pain conditions that uh, favor the use of CBN over uh, more traditional THC and even more uh, popular faddish CBD lotions out there. So these aren't just waste products. These are still great quality medicinal resources, and you should treat them as such. That's right. Even Schwag, the weediest of the weedies is still medicine and can still be used. And it's kind of encouraging and frustrating that future generations aren't going to know that swag uh, in the same way that I've come to know it. They're never going to know what brick weed is like. Hopefully, I mean, they'll never know what brick weed is like or moldy weed or, or some stuff that looks super gross but gets you super stoned and you don't know why but after a couple of weeks you definitely have to stop smoking it because something ain't right and and I'm just so excited for the future but I'm also got this little bit of like an old thing that's like you know like looking down like it might as well be a cell phone be like if you only knew all that I had to go through and you just take so ungrateful I feel like that's gonna be me stay true to your roots yeah that's definitely it oh man I almost forgot to talk about one of the most important things about swag which is its etymology I mean and I'm only guessing here but what I would have to say is it's commonly known as referring to a shitty bag of weed a shitty weed bag uh, and other people uh, say that it goes back to uh, the beginning use of swag, stuff we all get. And both of those are true. My uh, professional opinion would be that it refers back to the shit we all get. 
Because going back to access and the best weed staying close to home and the rest of the weed being the shit we all get. So that's my two cents on its etymology. All right, you guys, let's safety meeting. I think, oh, I've got one last hit of this headband, though it certainly got me rambling. So I'm going to finish this out. And then I have got a new strain that is perfect for Thanksgiving. Got some blue diesel. It is a blueberry sour diesel strain. And the blueberry, uh, which I mentioned in another podcast, always gives me the munchies. Always. And this blueberry diesel mix is no exception. I mean, it makes me a bottomless pit. Even though I've been microdosing on the shrooms and my sugar management is like really well controlled. Um it doesn't stop munchies. It just makes me crave somewhat better munchies. Uh, and man, I smoked a joint of this yesterday and I ate almost everything in my house except for the salad. But I ate like all the blueberries. So this is kind of the perfect Thanksgiving strain. I mean, when you really want those seconds and then you can't go back for dessert. Oh, but you can. This is meta recreating at its best. Cheers, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. The strain is so smooth. That blueberry plays so strongly into its overall nose straight out the gate. In the jar, It uh, it's definitely reminiscent of Blue Dream with just a hint of earthy undertone to it. It's a really nice, light green, fluffy plant, really big florets on this one, which you see with a lot of different blueberry hybrids. Uh, and diesels, honestly, this uh, pheno of diesel, I think, also leans towards the not so racy uh, side, but the more laid back, anxiety reducing side. And you see a lot of those have those really big, fluffy florets. But this is the lighter blue that you usually get associated with blueberry or blue dream. And the nose on it is so sweet and powerful that it actually gets me more indica stoned to just smell it, to just sit down and smell it and really deeply breathe it in than it does to to smoke it. When I smoke it, those earthy tones really kick in and it overrides the indica, indica couch effects that the blueberry tends to bring with it and keeps me up and motivated and functioning and eating and eating and eating. I'm not going to lie, but it's really good for body pain and productivity, a really good option for people who 
blue dream doesn't really work very well for them, but they need that kind of blueberry option to get through the day. And hopefully it's going to help me talk a little bit less rambly too. No promises. So for this week's safety meeting, I wanted to talk about some lingo. Stoner lingo is so essential to stoner culture because it was an underground culture. You're always going to have those very uh, secret meanings and and covert ways of describing things. You know, 420 being one of the most prolific in cannabis culture. Uh, to the point where nailing down the etymology really became a thing. And these guys were able to produce these letters that basically gave them claim to the 420 heritage. Uh, though I have the feeling that it was probably something that worked its way into several different parts of America around the same time, simply because the schedule really did work out really well for you to go to class, then go to sports and then meet up at 420. And I think that's one of the reasons, even if it was just them who started it, it's one of the reasons that 420 specifically became so readily accepted, just so widely accepted. And then you also have, you know, the Grateful Dead. We would be nowhere without the Grateful Dead as a stoner culture. And those kinds of lingos nowadays, like, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird that kids are hanging around talking about how shit be lit. And I'm like, what? Where's the joint at then? Like, are we smoking? I mean, I'm not condoning. I'm just saying, but if there's a joint, I like, oh, no, you just mean it's happening. Oh, it's on. It's, oh, it's lit. That's weird. It should be dank. Should be talking about swag. Would it be good or bad? <sighs> I'm so fucking old. But just the fact that things I was saying in my teens, not just that these are, I mean, this isn't just like, you know, the whole revival of like the 90s clothes. And like, I expected that. But for, for like younger people to be talking about stoner terms, that just kind of blows my mind. And in it, it, the cultural shift, I'm really excited about again, but it's just super fucking weird. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. I need to smoke some more of this blueberry diesel. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you haven't heard, uh, the kids nowadays, they use all the old stoner terms. So if you see some young people and it sounds like they're about to go smoke some weed, don't freak out necessarily because they're probably just going to go hang out and play fucking Pictionary or something. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know what kids do to get lit nowadays. I just know what I do to get lit nowadays. Oh, it's lit. <sighs> Don't forget that you can find uh, links to what to do with your stems, about the test results, all the rest of my podcasts and blogs, and more information about me at thespliffpodcast.com. If you're feeling generous this holiday season, and I know a lot of you are busy and not even able to listen until after the new year uh, to this, but at any time you feel like you would like to help contribute to the success of the Spliff Podcast, you can become a patron 
at patreon.com slash the spliff podcast. You can always email me, reach out on the socials, the spliff podcast at gmail.com. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are the best places to reach me if it's not my website. Uh, or you can always call or text 209-867-7543. And if you're not sure how it's spelled, the spliff podcast, two F's, three T's, no D, the spliffpodcast.com. All right, guys. Thanks for spliffing it with me. Happy Thanksgiving. Ciao for now.